Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Persis, Abraham, Sarah, Johnson. We're back, babies. It's been a long week, hasn't it, Sarah? It's been a long week without our voices in your headphones. How did you guys feel while we were gone? Did you feel like a friend had left you alone to fend for yourself? Yes, I'm sure that's exactly how they felt. It was like, I don't hear the angelic voices of S&P coming in for me on my Monday morning. Yeah. What is life? Yeah, it must have been it must have been really tough. What is life? That's a great question. And whatever you guys struggled with while we were gone, like we just want to say that we love you and we're so sorry. But your girls needed a break, you know what I mean? Yeah, we so yeah, we were going to take full responsibility for like leaving you guys to fend for yourselves. You know, can you imagine we didn't take responsibility for not releasing an episode? <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> we don't take any responsibility for us not releasing an episode, but no, exactly what Sarah said. It's just been a busy time. And, but even just for our own, you know, we're so honest with you guys, our own mental health, just both of us needed a break very yeah. much so. And it was, we're coming back, we're coming refreshed because we always want to make sure we're like, giving you guys good content. And we knew if Sarah and I were even trying to coordinate and we thought we, we need, we need a little break for a sec. We need to refresh our minds. Yeah. And if we had like pushed ourselves to record the episode, you know, it would have been fine, but it wouldn't have been our best work and we wouldn't have had our hearts in it. And also we were like, we are in charge of our destiny here at Girl on Girl. We are the girl and the girl and we can say whether we release an episode or not. So God bless us. It's kind of true. We were laughing at it later being like, I was like, wait, Sarah, or no, Sarah said it to me. She's like, you know, Purse, like we are our own bosses, you know? You know, we can take a week off if we want to. And it was just a beautiful weekend. I was away at a cottage, which for anyone in Canada, it was technically the Canada Day long weekend, but obviously Canada Day was pretty much canceled across the nation. But I got to spend, the cottage I was at was on Indigenous land. Um, So that was really actually quite emotional just to be surrounded by indigenous land at that specific time it was it was actually really cool and very it I actually felt very um impacted just being there There, it wasn't like there was any sort of memorial or anything that happened it was just like it was it was really nice to be there I love that I didn't even know that's where the cottage was it's on Manitoulin Island so there are a bunch of different kind of um indigenous communities on the island 
Um, so we, we drove through like a few different ones. And then on the way back home, we drove through more. Yeah. So it was, it was really nice. It was nice. Oh, no, that, that makes me happy. And I think it's kind of nice that you guys were able to like be there and also reflect at the same time. So that's good. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> you guys know we have therapy sessions before we record. So y'all already know that we've talked about how Persis is. And Persis is, Persis, are you thriving? No. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Someone's going to get like straight up very worried for me, but no, no, guys, for real. (laughs) Guys, don't be worried. It's okay. We're working on it together. We're working on it together. No, don't be worried. Honestly, like I said, I am not one to shy away from, I I don't, I don't fake anything. Um, Yeah, no, it's, it's been a weird time, but um, I always try to remind myself of the things that just make me really happy and really motivate me. And I think I just need to focus on putting my energy into the things that do that. And actually, I was having a talk with Sarah today just about how sometimes I feel like a lot of my emotions can take over and I tend to just um, forget about, what's the word? Like maybe forget about like other priorities that also like really matter to my life, you know? Because I get very caught up in one thing. And if it's one thing that's bothering me, nothing else matters. And I've been that way my whole life yeah so so I'm trying to work on that but also allowing myself to be like no if you got to take some time and feel some things do that and I want you guys to know that you can do the same thing yeah and also we were talking about how Purse and I are basically basically opposites and she's super emotional and I'm not I really struggle with my emotions and I literally pay a therapist to help me figure out what the hell I'm feeling because most of the time I have no clue. And there are so many times where I'm like, first of all, I don't know what I'm feeling. And second of all, I think I might know, but is that does that even count as an emotion? Like I, I really have no concept. And so just I think things that you think might be a weakness in you, just remember that that's probably something someone else really wants and is really envious of and is paying people to help them discover. So as much as something might suck and you might, yeah, feel it's a flaw, just keep in mind that your flaws really are strengths in so many scenarios. Yes. I love that you said that because there's things I look in with, look in that Sarah has that I was even saying, oh, Sarah, I wish I was like you in this scenario so badly. And she was like, first, there's so many times I wish I felt more, for example. So, um, yeah, like, and also, would you rather be completely apathetic your whole life or would you rather feel things? I think you'd rather feel things. You know what I mean? No, in the long run, I'd rather feel things. Even in the moment when I'm like, girl, you feel, you're feeling hard, but it's okay. Cause then you can look, <laughs> you can look back at a situation and be like, yeah, I felt, I felt all this because I'm a human. I I'm a breathing human with, uh, Oh, do you breathe? <laughs> yeah. Do you not breathe? I don't breathe. Oh, <laughs> is well, that weird? <laughs> no, you're just a, you're just a superhuman. I'm like a fishy, but, uh, I'm just such a romantic too. And just such a, like, I just love love, you know? So I think those types of people are very emotional in in general. I just had an idea. We should turn this podcast into Bachelorette. Guys, 
I know you all already want to date Persis, but if any of you are in like the Toronto area, tell us if you want us to do that because we'll do it. Purse, that'd be so fun. I would have a blast. I would be like the I would be like Chris Harrison, but not because he got fired because he he was racist. For a yes, second. very problematic. Yeah. But um, yeah, Sarah, what if you coordinate it? I have no idea who you pick. Oh my god! Oh my god! You can pick your top. I actually already did this for you for that TV show. <laughs> oh yeah, you did. Oh my god, yeah, you did. That's so funny. I I literally forgot Sarah was involved in this like dating show I was um on back in September. Sarah and our other roommate Camille literally picked the contestants. Yeah, we basically got in touch with the producer. And I was like, I'm Persis's soulmate, so I know her better than anyone else. If you want to run people by me who you think might be a good fit, let me know. And then he was like, okay, what about this girl? What about that girl? What about this girl? And I was like, ooh, that one, yes. That one, no. That one, yes. It's so fun. That is and then so you, you found a cutie. I did find a cutie. She was so sweet. Yeah, she was so sweet. So, Purse, what's your favorite Britney Spears song? Do you want to guess? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a hint. Hold oh, on. okay, okay. Baby, can't you see? <laughs> you prepared so in. much for the baby. I was like, baby, baby can't you see? Well, the good news is that that's my favorite Britney song too. And that's because today we're talking about toxic masculinity. And you know what, guys? We do want to reiterate that toxic masculinity is nothing to be celebrated. It's just the intro to the, to the topic. And how much do you guys want to hear us go, It's a taste of your lips I want to You're toxic, I'm slipping under. So we just wanted to give you guys that gift. So now that we have... First, what the hell is toxic masculinity? Tell me. I'm actually very excited to talk to you about this, Sarah, because it's something that I've always known existed. I think it's messed up, but I've never actually like thought about it um, in my own world. And then later I realized I was seeing it everywhere. So for those of you who Mm. don't know what toxic masculinity is, it involves cultural pressures for men and boys to behave in a certain way. So sometimes it can refer to the notion that some people's ideas of manliness, in quotations, perpetuates domination, even homophobia, and aggression. And also, looking into this, this can be so harmful that can actually um, cause problems with a man's mental health. Because the idea that men need to act tough and be big and aggressive, not show emotions, can actually have very serious consequences on them internally Mm. and for society and for society and for which we've seen very recently uh, we've seen it very recently in a specific situation that you guys you know what we're all you know what we're talking about but like uh, in politics presidency (laughs) just giving a few more a few more hints in case people didn't know where i was going with that but i think for all of civilization men have been the positions of power and so you've seen this type of the consequences on society thing factor in since the beginning of man right Mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah and i mean 
exactly like Sarah said, we see it, we see it everywhere. We see it in politics, in our own society, our everyday life, and pop culture as well. And um, as I was doing some research, I found a really good website, um, verywellmind.com. And um, some researchers are saying that they actually categorize toxic masculinity into three different components. So the three, or these are the three, sorry, I'm going to list it. Uh, Toughness, which gives off the notion that men should always be physically strong, emotionally callous and aggressive. Anti-femininity, where men should reject anything that is considered way too feminine or also showing emotion or asking for help. That's seen as like a big weakness. And also power, um, the assumption that men must work towards obtaining power and status. So whether it be through their social life, even through their like sexual, like they didn't say this, but I was even thinking like sexually, financial status, um, because they believe that's what gains them respect from others. And I've Mm -hmm. seen like how some men uh, feel like they can gain respect if they're known to like have a lot of sexual partners, Right. Um, if they're super rich and they can pay for everyone. It's mm-hmm. all, they have a lot of friends. It's like all just such a facade and like vanity and. They're tough. They can fight. They can win in a fight. Yep. Yep. Um, and also sometimes men are expected to fight. And if you don't, if you don't want to fight, you're seen as less of a man. That's just how it is for so, for so many males. It is. It's, it's so much pressure and. I don't know. I mean, I listen, we even see it in like hockey. Like sometimes I'm just like mm. watching hockey and when they like get into fights, I know no hockey fans, please don't yell at me or come at me. But I just sit there and I'm like I feel like there's not many hockey fans listening. Okay. <laughs> not to stereotype our listeners. <laughs> that might be too much of a stereotype. Sorry guys. No, and Cam- that. I, I mean I'm thinking too, like Camille's such a big hockey fan. But sometimes like I I get so turned off when I like see a fight starting to happen. And I was not long, like not long ago. What am I saying? (laughs) Literally a few days ago, I was at the bar watching the Montreal Canadiens game against Tampa. And when a fight started happening between the players, I just could see everyone like cheering and they're like, yeah, like beat him up, like rip him to shreds. And I was like, (laughs) did they say that? Okay. That's like me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) <laughs> holy shit what bar were you at hey they didn't say rip them to shreds <laughs> that's what i said <laughs> yeah i also do not get fights i was actually talking about this with who was i talking to i forgot I, i've talked to to men before about what is this thing with fights i've never understood it i've never understood like what's why is it needed? And a lot of straight men have said to me that there's this thing that happens where if there's a conflict between a man and a man, they fight it out and then the conflict is settled. Whereas for a lot of women, they will sometimes, you know, it'll be under the radar a little bit. They'll talk behind each other's back or keep things festering, but not really talk about what the issue is. And so a lot of straight men have said to me like it's a way to solve problems which i still really struggle to wrap my head around but i think a lot of of men do feel like physical being physical or being violent is a way to just like break through the tension whereas women will keep like tension going hmm um, okay that's interesting and, and I don't, 
I don't think it's for everyone, but that's just something that I've heard many times of men be like, it's just a way to like get through a problem with your buddy. And I'm like, so you punch them in the face? It's really hard for me to wrap my head around, but I, if straight men, if you're listening, like let, let us know if that's how you feel. I think a lot of men have experienced that, at least in their friend circles or in their families. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely think so. And it's just something for me. I personally, it's such a big turnoff for me. Um, even if I know my friend, like I have a lot of straight male friends or met like men who identify as straight. And honestly, if I, I'm lucky enough to actually, a lot of them really haven't been in physical fights actually now that I think about it. Yeah. Same. Like my same. circle isn't. And honestly, it's such a turnoff for me. Like if I would see it at like parties, I was literally like, you guys just look so dumb right now. Stupid. Like you, it's not like, it, it's so, you look stupid. You really, really look stupid. And there's no point in this. Like we're, we're adults. We can talk things through without there having to be a punch thrown in someone's face. I agree. But one thing that just came up when you said that was that I think a lot of women who are attracted to men, especially women who are attracted to like a classic quote air quotes happening, a classic like manly man, basically what we're talking about with the toxic masculinity, they like when men fight like as a turn on for them. And so I, when you were saying that, I was like, well, f- well, first of all, um, you gay. So you're attracted to like femininity. But right. But I th- I've heard I've heard so many girls be like, even like girls who like hockey, right? Like, oh, I love a fight. Like, it's yes. so hot. And and I'm not saying that's bad at all. I'm just saying it's so interesting. Like, what we're attracted to so often is tied to what the ideal of femininity or masculinity is. And I think a lot of women are really attracted to that, like, vi- not violent, but like powerful type of energy that would like get into a fight for them at the bar kind of thing yeah society is is what's contributing to that and men believe that's what women like because another thing I was going to bring up is that they might think like oh I'm protecting her I'm such a protector like don't worry I'll never let anything happen to you I'll beat this guy up for you mm-hmm. and no for sure and I've heard girls say it I've literally heard people say that um truly like not so much once again in my circle but I definitely have been around situations where a lot of women are attracted to that type of guy. Right. Even the guys who can like get them a table, get them bottle service. Right, right. Men who have a lot of money are anything but feminine. Like they are not in touch with their feminine side, like in any way. Right. Which then it's like, well then, which a lot of the times, like we just talked about, can lead to men not really showing emotion, which... I think is a huge problem in relationships. It can be, right? If you're dating someone, if you're in a relationship with this powerful man who maybe checks off all the boxes of like physically strong, they're financially stable. They, <laughs> they're tough. But are you going to, you're going to, I'm guarantee y'all are going to have some issues. Because, <laughs> Tell them. Because you need, you need to be, we just had a whole talk, talk about emotions. But I think for some men, they run into that issue where they can't get there. And I think that's causing issues for themselves, but it's also going to cause issues for their partner. Yes. And I think I think in order for us to like dive into why it's called toxic masculinity, why it, it can be um, a negative thing for individuals and for societies, um, I think a good place to start is something that I've heard before when 
bringing up toxic masculinity to some men they get turned off by the term it actually reminds me a little bit of um white privilege so have you ever heard people being really offended by the term white privilege because they say i'm white and i don't have privilege i've had struggles in my life like Mm -hmm. how how dare you say that just because i'm white i have privilege but obviously white privilege doesn't mean that you don't have problems it means that your skin color is never going to be one of your problems and so you're privileged in that way yes and so i i feel like there's so many parallels to toxic masculinity a lot of men will say what so it's bad to be masculine i'm not allowed to enjoy being powerful and tough and that's not what toxic masculinity is saying and maybe it's the way we word these things like maybe there's a better way to phrase these things because i think if we can bridge the gap a little bit and get more men to come on board with this idea of toxic masculinity without labeling it as that because i i understand why some people get a little defensive right because people who do identify with a more masculine side they might they might hear that and before even listening to it be like but i feel masculine why is that bad why is that toxic and the reason why it can be toxic is because when we tell men they're only allowed to be a certain way just like Persa said, they struggle with so, there's so many personal struggles that come with that. So many struggles in society, violence towards women and towards each other, greed, greed unjust politics, inequity. And if we, te- if we tell men like, you have to be this way, you have to be this type of masculine, it just puts everyone in a worse situation, including the men. And so that's all it's saying. It's not saying it's bad to be masculine because everyone, no matter your gender, has a masculine and a feminine side. It's saying that you don't have to be this type of masculine that society tells you to be. I love that you mentioned that because I think as we were getting into it, you bringing up the point to say like, we're not saying it's bad to be masculine, but when there's this pressure put on you that you need to be a certain way or else you're seen as weak, you're seen as not manly enough. And I'm using quotes. You're not a real man. Like I always wonder too, like how many boys have maybe heard this from like their dads growing up of being like, oh, you're to be a man. You need to do this. That's not manly. Or like with whatever interests they show and as young as like when they're getting into their own hobbies. Are you interested in hockey or are you interested in musical theater? Right. Yeah. If if your sibling hurts you and you cry, toughen up. Be a man. You're not allowed to cry because you got punched in the face or whatever. Um, Hold on a second. I want to find something really quick. Hold that thought. There There was a spot that my agency did about toxic masculinity. Oh my gosh, here it is. White ribbon, boys don't cry. Uh, So I work at an ad agency, girl on girl, uh, called Ben Simon Byrne. They actually give us a shout out on their page. Thank you, Ben Simon. Thank you. So just um, as Sarah and I were talking about this, I was like, oh my goodness, I remember this spot called Boys Don't Don't Cry, which was um, a partnership that we had done with White Ribbon. Um, So yeah, there was zero media budget, just 10K for production. Um, White Ribbon had challenged Ben Simon to engage society in a thoughtful discussion on toxic masculinity and create a foundation for the hundreds of workshops that White Ribbon conducts every year. Mm, Cool. Oh, yeah. Using the very idea of boys will be boys to ensure just the opposite. So 
Oh, oh my God, Sarah, we should actually watch this. It's a short film that illustrates how a lifetime of society inputs results in the most toxic form of masculinity. The video portrays the emotional transformation of a boy from an innocent child to a violent teenager in less than three minutes. Boys can be sad. Why are you crying? Boys don't cry, right, honey? Be a big boy, please. Boys can be self-conscious. Boys can be intelligent. Curse, that was so good. I have chills. I have chills. I'm just reading this over now um, because this was a couple years ago. Um, that my agency did this, but three um, Cannes Lions Awards, 12 Cannes Lions shortlist. It's a lot. Wow. Three marketing awards. It was, it, it literally did show you exactly what can happen to a young boy facing all these yeah. pressures. It's. Yeah. You're not allowed to cry. You have to be tough. You have to be brave. You have to be powerful. And then it ends on him um being a really violent teen and ultimately it's implied that he's about to sexually assault a drunk girl at a party um and i think that's a good as um as tough as that is i think it's a good representation of how toxic masculinity is not only is not only an internal struggle but then it impacts the external world it impacts other people it impacts societies and um, it impacts women most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of the time. Yes. So one of the main reasons why actually Sarah and I wanted to talk about this topic was that we actually got this request from one of our listeners, um, which like we've kind of said before, thanks to you guys, you're the ones who really give us all these topic ideas. So thank you. Yep. Thank um, you. So we're going to give this listener a nickname. Oh. Um, hmm. What should what we call about, this person? What about like Sharky? Sharky, I like that. So we're gonna call this listener Sharky. All right. Okay. So Sharky, thank you, Sharky, for the questions. Yes, thank you so much, Sharky. So Sharky reached out to us, who identifies as gender fluid, goes by he they, but identifies as straight for their sexual orientation. Sharky wanted to hear about how vulnerability and the lack of spaces for men to speak about insecurities contribute to toxic masculinity. Yeah, I think it starts in the home, right? So just kind of like we saw with that video by Ben Simon Byrne, like it starts when you're born or when he was a little boy, like a toddler, they were telling him to pick up his toys with his big strong muscles and take them over to the workshop and run really fast and so these types of environments i think are built so young that literally your cognitive function changes and it happens for women as well but obviously we're focusing just on toxic masculinity but i think like that's such a lack of space like when it starts in the home when it starts with your family when it starts like so young you're already not provided a space to speak about being vulnerable. It becomes quite literally ingrained in your brain. So that that's like a 
change in your neurology that's really hard to turn back as you get older. It's so tough. It that's all I I think it, exactly like Sarah said it only it starts in the home and as children we soak up everything so quickly and I think that's why so many issues that we carry on as adults all stem from our childhood, right? So I that's what I would I would agree with you there. I think it's like the lack of safe spaces and if you're told you can't speak about this and even how the parents were like be brave, just be 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 the brave boy, we know you are just things like that. too. Yeah. That you're just not allowed to what be afraid. You know, it's just things yeah. that I think you could tell someone like it's okay to be nervous. It's normal mm-hmm. to be nervous. Mm-hmm. I just think we put so much pressure on ourselves. Like, you got to be okay. You got to no matter what. And we were just talking about this. Like, it's even sometimes how we try to just take away our emotions and be like, I don't need to feel this way. No, you, you are allowed. And the same goes for men. Um, vulnerability is so important and they should feel just as much as anyone else. Yeah. And then I think once they get out of their home life and they're into their friend life, I think it can just completely multiply, right? Like when you're growing up, your friends are your everything and you, you just kind of acclimatize to what they're doing. And if, you're a boy who's friends with a bunch of other boys who also had the same upbringing as you where they feel that they have to be this certain level of masculinity you don't have any space to be vulnerable with them to talk about your feelings to um to be real and honest and transparent with these people who you're closest with so it only just gets worse and worse and contributes to toxic masculinity for life it's something to be unlearned i think for most men it, it has to be unlearned because unfortunately, I think most men grew up with that. They grew up like that. So it's it's kind of on them to maybe do the research and develop into their own to be like, okay, I need to let go of some of these things that have been uh, put on to me as a kid. And I actually have a really, really good friend who I, his brother, I think, um, carries a little bit more of that toxic masculinity because they're both very opposite people, but they both grew up in the same environment. Mm. One is a very like more so emotionless type of person, very manly, mm-hmm. very, like doesn't get in touch with their sense. Of, like there's no, I, from what I've met from this person, the brother, like I said, I'm not that close with him, so I wouldn't know. But being so close to my friend who grew up in the same home, I was like, I think lucky enough that it wasn't so, there wasn't so much pressure, I think, on him to act a certain way. But he, I think there were insecurities that he had always felt about why he feels so deeply. Why is he so, I'm putting in quotes, like sensitive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the long run, honestly, I look at him and it makes him a good I always think I'm like, you're just a, you're a great guy. (laughs) You're just great. And it's going to help you in the long run in your friendships, your relationships. Like it's just going to do you well. And I know this is kind of a personal story because I I just thought of him and yeah, I think it's pretty admirable. I also think the ironic thing is a lot of men who experience toxic masculinity, a lot of times they're doing it to like gain the approval of women. But women grow up to believe that things like sensitivity and kindness and like connection are important. 
Um, and those are the types of things that we seek with our family and with our friends. And so it's just kind of ironic that we're taught these things. And then a lot of times men are trying to seek the approval of women. Meanwhile, what women value are all the things that they've been, that men have been rejecting their whole life. Connection, vulnerability, honesty. It's like, it's just so interesting that like, we've, we're basically setting them up for failure in that department if they're interested in women and they're trying to gain the respect of women. But then men have a hard time with women if they are too sensitive. Cause like, that's true. That's a good point. What Sharky actually did bring up was that. (laughs) (laughs) Sharky. Sorry. Sorry, Sharky. We're, we've been laughing at the names we've been giving lately. So Sharky made a point saying, um, how do cis hetero women contribute to toxic masculinity? Brought up the point that women can contribute to this because we act and reproduce the patriarchy. So for example, I want a guy who's taller than me, makes more money, can provide for me, can protect me, is strong. Mm. So mm-hmm. Sarah, you you bring up valid points because I don't know one person, and if we're going to speak about women specifically, who would say, I don't want a great connection or right, right. vulnerability, but then you hear women get so turned off by men who may come off as too sensitive or too emotional or they'll say it's like that saying like nice guys finish last oh he's too nice for me I like a bad boy women yeah there's like that thing about like bad boys that people seem to gravitate to and I think Mm -hmm. men that's a part of toxic masculinity you're bad 100% you're bad women like that it's like they do. No, you bring up a good point. And I think like this this also brings up just like the nuances of humans. Like every human is so different, which is why when we put humans into these very narrow gender boxes, it's never going to turn out well because some people like this, some people like that, and some people like this and some people like that. Like there's just there's no way to determine like who will love you for which attributes and apart from romantic relationships like what makes you um, a good contributor to society and what makes you a good person like it really has nothing to do with how powerful you are or how strong you are but I do think like women are a part of toxic masculinity the amount of times I've heard my friends say this man needs to be minimum six feet six feet tall but it's so common it's literally so common and then uh, it is you're right Men don't feel manly enough if they're not six feet tall. I know so mm-hmm. many of my guy friends who really their height is a huge insecurity for them. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because if you're shorter, then you don't have the dominance. Yes. You don't have and the power. You know what's actually interesting is that I actually sometimes used to feel that as a small girl, like a sp- small girl oh my god (laughs) a small baby as a small like young woman because guys i'm i'm 25 i'm (laughs) (laughs) sorry go on i'm 25 years old i'm five foot one i'm very tiny i'm a tiny human walking down the street small i'm small but sometimes i used to think about this because i'd hear so many of my friends being like oh i need to date taller i love to feel protected i love to feel like someone can like hold me and grab me and pick me up. And as a woman loving women, I used to always be like, I wonder if like girls think that about, think that as well. Like, would they, mm. is, is height like a, 
is height a thing that like a woman might think about with like other I, I don't know it's just very I just thought about that one day and I was like well I'm really tiny I wonder if women would be like oh I wish I also want women to be taller like I wonder if us as a society mm. always feel like we want our partners to protect us in some way interesting yeah or or I wonder if like I wonder if it can be as nuanced or sorry as easy as to say some of us want to be the protectors and some of us want to be the protected I don't think it is that easy but I do think a lot of times in relationships no matter no matter the genders involved in the relationship you do see like this is kind of the protector this is the protected kind of kind of energy and how that factors into masculine and feminine is really ingrained in society as well. I think it has it has to be equal regardless because then it leads to things like this. It leads to insecurity because like men who are thinking like, oh, because maybe I'm five foot eight, my girlfriend is going to feel like I'm not dominant or I'm not manly. Yeah. But then for me, if I'm going to put it from my perspective as a uh, shorter woman, I actually had a girl one time tell me it was like a one time thing. Like we literally made out like one time and she, she really only like been with men most of her life. But so I don't know if she was really like putting this on me, but she was just saying like, Oh, I'm just so used to being around like bigger people. So they like hold me. So it's just different with you because like, I feel like I'm like holding you. Mm, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how like something as arbitrary as height can make us think about masculinity versus femininity. A woman is tiny and a man is tall, which like, of course, isn't how the world works. <laughs> like, no. Height doesn't um, discriminate against gender. Height is a totally separate thing. When did we decide that men were tall and women were short? And maybe I'm like um, also speaking with a bit of like bitterness because I'm a tall woman. And so... It, like it works and I feel like anytime we talk about like an, a gender issue it always works both ways like men feeling insecure about their height tall women have the same problem opposite if you're too tall as the woman it's like it's like you're too powerful you're too dominant you're too big you need to be smaller very true very true women women are known to have like the smaller features um they're smaller they need to be protected wow yeah, when who decided that? I don't know. It's um, stupid. Not me. <laughs> I don't like it. Sarah, question. Mm -hmm. Do you think you've ever contributed to toxic masculinity subconsciously? That's a good question. And I think my answer has to be yes. Like if I'm thinking of my whole life, my whole adolescence, childhood, all the way up till now, there's no chance that I didn't contribute to toxic masculinity at some point. There, I, I'm trying to think, if I think of a specific example, I'll 100% bring it up. But I think like, I, there's not a chance that I wasn't, you know, a preteen making a comment about a guy being too short or, or too feminine or something. Like, of course, yeah. I guarantee that I felt, if I didn't say it out loud, I felt it. 100% because that's what I was taught growing up. I agree with you. I definitely contributed to toxic masculinity as a preteen. I used to always say, I only want to date like a really big muscular man. I was like super into Channing Tatum. And I remember being so mm. 
attracted to his uh, his character and step up and how he's kind of the bad boy. And then yep. Jenna Dewan like changes him. And he was, he was always like a little bit bad though and a little bit unpredictable. And he, I'm pretty sure he got in a fight. Maybe he didn't get in a fight. There were, no, no, there were definitely like fights happening in Step Up One. And I think I was like attracted <laughs> to that. I was like, Step Up One. <laughs> I forgot there was more than one Step Up. <laughs> For sure. Like, oh man, what a good movie. And I just, I remember that completely. And so I did contribute to that. And I think even in high school, before I met Alice, I um, definitely, the guys I was- everything changed. Before my whole world turned upside down, Mm -hmm. the guys I was attracted to were always like the very masculine types. And a lot of the girls in my grade also would feel that way. And anyone who wasn't really like that, we thought were maybe gay or we, Mm. we somehow- weren't attracted because that's not what was attractive in society terms. And yeah, we've talked about this now, but the generation growing up in high school now is so different. But I think we still grew right. up in a time where it was like very evident that there were uh, there wasn't any room for fluidity. <laughs> totally. Oh my God, no room for fluidity wasn't even a concept. <laughs> I just had a thought though. This somehow oh. came into my head. Okay. Um, it's a scene from She's the Man. Oh, hey, that's a good toxic masculinity study right there. It actually is because, I mean, for all of you who maybe don't know what She's the Man is, it is a great movie. It's great, but I actually watched it back not long ago, so I think that's why it's kind of fresh in my mind. But mm-hmm. Amanda Bynes, um, you know, like poses as her brother, who she looks kind of similar to, to play soccer on the boys' team because her team – got cut from her school. The girls team got cut and the coach wouldn't let the girls play on the boys team basically. And the argument was like, oh, you know, like boys are, boys are, you can't play with the boys. So she was like, I'm going to prove a point and show you that I am just as good as the boys. Um, Hilarious. But, and so she totally disguises herself as a boy at the school. But I just had a a vision, I was going to say. I just had a memory (laughs) of when... (laughs) Channing, so Channing Tatum's also in the movie. Yeah, he is. They're roommates, and the two of them are having a deep emotional chat. They're like laying in bed, each in their own beds, chatting about, um, I think, feelings and having crushes. And all of a sudden, Channing goes, Don't tell anyone we talked about this. Like, I don't talk about this kind of stuff. Like, don't do it. And I remember him saying, If you tell anybody about this, I'll kick your ass. And he throws a pillow at Amanda Bynes. And Amanda Bynes is like, mm-hmm, okay. And like turns around and like goes to bed. But I secretly just, is like in love with him, yeah. Yeah, she's secretly in love with him. Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? Come on. But it goes to show it's like boys don't have those types of conversations and where they're taught not to talk about their feelings. Like that is a prime example. Right. And it's so funny because like, I think talking about your feelings is one thing, but then like talking about your feelings in a romantic way. I, I think it's interesting that we tell boys you need to get women that's what makes you a man. But then they're not allowed to talk about how they feel about the women. It's so backwards. It's like they're whipped. If they talk about if they talk about being in love, they're whipped. Exactly. And that's where toxic masculinity can get really dark, right? Is that when we're teaching boys that they need to get a lot of women, what we're saying is have sex with a lot of women, which leads to a lot of sexual violence. We're not they're not saying like, you know, have deep, meaningful relationships with other people. And so it's just funny that men can't talk about how they feel about a woman, but they're supposed to get the woman. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
I mean, none of this makes any sense. And, and I really do find it interesting, though. I think it's like really actually very fun to talk about as frustrating as it can be. It's like, what, like, why do these things exist? Like all of that, all of those questions are really interesting and I don't have the answers, but yeah. <laughs> This So there was actually a 2011 study found that men who held the strongest beliefs about masculinity were only half as likely as men with more moderate beliefs about masculinity to preventative, sorry, to get preventative health care. So men who were like, I'm a masculine man are half as likely to go to the doctor mm-hmm. and get a physical, their yearly physical. And it runs contrary to some men's beliefs about toughness. And if you're tough, you don't need to go to the doctor. That's nuts. That is nuts. I mean, guys, we are we should go to the doctor. Listen, girl on girl heavily endorses doctors. Yeah. Go to the doctor. Go check on yourself. No one can be that tough. Like just going into this, like you you should check in on yourself because we're not invincible. We think we're invincible all the time. We're not. So I don't care how tough you are. I could eat the toughest cookie to walk the streets. Oh, that's how the cookie crumbles. That's how the cookie crumbles over here. But And I think that's just another good example of like when you, when toxic masculinity gets to that level, you are literally putting yourself in harm's way. Oh, yeah. Because you're not going to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. you're not even going to the doctor. And I just kind of want to make sure I get this part in because I, I actually, when I'm picturing this now, you know, when you conform to more of like the masculine norms, you're more likely to, yeah, like engage in risky behaviors. And a 2007 study was found where they noticed this. And Sarah and I were talking about like those food eating competitions. I even think about like when boys are at a party and they're like encouraged to be drinking like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of times like I've been in situations where I feel like men would be like literally getting alcohol poisoning because they'd be like encouraged by their friends to be like drinking more. And the more they did, it was like, oh my God, he's so cool. He's so and, cool like what he's doing. Yes. And if you can't drink, if you can't drink like the other guys, guess what? You're a pussy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we could do a whole deep dive into how pussy, which is obviously a woman's vagina, is slang for being weak. And y'all got to know. Have you I've, seen what our vaginas do? Have you seen what our vaginas are capable of? Have you seen what have they you look seen like? Have you it? You guys want to see? Guys, we can send you pictures. Like, this shit is anything but weak have you seen a baby being born (laughs) have Have you seen seen? (laughs) have you seen a child a human (laughs) child come out of a vagina (laughs) so who are you calling pussy who are you calling pussy bitch (laughs) never thought i would say pussy this often on a public forum but (laughs) just i just wanted to throw that in because Toxic masculinity is so tied to like to misogyny, female women's issues, violence against women. Like I just, it's just like so intertwined. So I feel like we got to keep making sure that uh, we mention that. Yes, agreed. I love that you mentioned that. So uh, before we wrap this up, I did want to actually talk about maybe how we can start to defy this. And the yeah. one, the one person I thought of right away, and I wonder if like all of you think the same is our watermelon sugar baby Oof. 
Harry Styles. Watermelon sugar. Hi. Hi. Wait, let's harmonize. Okay. One, Bottom- two, three. But- <laughs> okay, ready? One, two, three. Watermelon, Watermelon sugar. sugar. <laughs> Good. I harmonized. I harmonized. Let's do it at the same time. I We did. The internet must be off. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. Okay, ready? Watermelon sugar. <laughs> I was doing... Okay. Okay, we give up. Listen, but me and Purse are usually pretty good at harmonizing, but we're having some internet issues because the first one for me was perfectly in sync. But anyway, y'all know we're talking about Harry Styles. Harry Styles has defied gender stereotypes and he's received both backlash and support for it. We are... Can you guys guess what side we're on? Just we're definitely we're definitely on the backlash side. Like we do not think he should be doing that. Like it's it's really gross that he wants to wear like nail polish and um, that he wants to dress in clearly clothes only for women. Like it's just it's really disgusting. Yeah, it's like it pains my eyes when I when I it see hurts. that. It, it hurts and it, it affects hurts. my soul. It affects my entire day. My day, my life. <laughs> my life. <laughs> is impacted by my this. career is impacted <laughs> my relationships my finances honestly i'm Bank- broke bankrupt <laughs> harry styles sometimes doesn't dress like a man yep you know what i'm saying i just so- want to bring back man my lesbian ass wants to bring back a man bring man. back a man <laughs> listen you guys know we're being sarcastic. Can you imagine they were like, wow, this is not the podcast I thought it was. Harry Styles is the icon, the legend, the mascot of our lives. So Harry Styles is known for going against gender norms by wearing clothes like dresses, skirts, and he looks absolutely fabulous in them. And he was on the cover of Vogue magazine and he was wearing a flowing gown with a blazer and that showed the total duality of his identity. He is gender fluid and he's said that many times. And I mean, at the end of the day, the, th- the reason why, why Harry Styles is such an important figure here is because Harry Styles is cool. Mm-hmm. He's cool. He's like a known, very cool person in society yeah. in general everyone loves harry styles it's very rare you come across people being like oh i don't listen to harry styles only just like based on you know how boy bands can kind of get that rep a little bit when you like come from a very pop boy band and then you come into your own right um harry styles is definitely an artist that like broke the mold and his audience is so i want to i'm curious about his demo because i think he hits everybody everyone loves harry me too yeah i think like his demo was probably mostly women just because of the whole one direction factor but at the same time like when i say harry styles is cool i'm also saying men think harry styles is cool why because he gets a lot of girls he's attractive he's successful he's confident he's talented all of these things, right, that men are supposed to be. I'm not saying that's why all that's why all men like Harry Styles. I'm just saying, like, here's a guy who's completely defying the gender norms and mostly through fashion, dressing however he wants to. And at the same time, like, he is also all the things that a lot of men try to be, right? Like, cool, cool and powerful. And, like, all of these things he... Also, has, he has both sides. He's in touch with both of his sides. 
and it's super sexy. I'm I'm so attracted to Harry Styles. So attracted to him. Sign me up. Sign me up. So after this, um, him being pictured on the cover of Vogue, a lot of people were all for it. I feel like they were like voicing their opinions on gender norms and what it means. It really got people to think about it. Um, but then I didn't even realize this, but um, I guess this conservative author and commentator, Candace Owens, um, actually like took to her own social media. I think she tweeted this to just criticize his whole look, basically said, um, bring back manly men. I mean, she's right, you know? Yeah, I agree. I retweeted it. I feel. Yeah, I that's a big going to be a big retweet for me. Listen, Candace Owens is a really controversial figure. I don't know if you guys know about her, but she definitely is like very 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 conservative. Like her Twitter bio says black people don't have to be democrats. Oh, enter uh enter <laughs> um Twitter um like cover image it says uncancelable since 1989. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I don't want to give any airtime to Candace Owens, to be honest. Um, but obviously, that is a perfect example of a cis hetero woman perpetuating toxic masculinity in society. Think about all the people who listen to Candace Owens who are now going to what it doesn't. It's not about. It's not about whether they were whether a listener was thinking of wearing a dress or a skirt as a man. It's about like knowing showing any sort of femininity is bad it's not even about being a man it's bad you shouldn't do it which then what does that tell you women are bad being feminine is bad yep oh god yeah apparently and i know some people some people listening to that to what we just said might be like oh it's not that easy it's not that like steep a slope like just because just because i'm a man and i don't want to wear a skirt doesn't mean that i think like being a woman is bad but it can be that slippery a slope. It really can. And it has been for pretty much all of <laughs> all of humanity. Well, it's even how guys can kind of like have that perception that girls are weak and girls are soft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think as women, we're definitely more equipped to, to be saying this. We have experienced. I experience it probably once a day. Little microaggressions of like, for example, are you sure you should be lifting that? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, oh, I'll get that for you. Or, you know, someone asking me, someone in my family asking like, oh, don't you want to put on like a little more makeup? Yeah, I guess I'm kind of going on a tangent, but I guess like it all filters down to women as well. But I think men face all these same same microaggressions throughout their day to day. Agreed. Agreed. It happens every every damn day and we still have a lot of work to be done to defy these societal norms. And we think things like Harry Styles being on the cover of Vogue, it's just moving in the right direction. And I mean, we're seeing so many other, not, not just celebrities, but just like people on the internet, like, like kids on TikTok being gender fluid. And like we've talked about many times, the generation below us is just like ahead of the game. Like I really think once they reach our age, gender fluidity is going to be a lot more normalized so much more and that's the thing i just can't wait i always say this but i cannot wait to just see younger kids like growing up and just seeing i just want to see like them when they're like in their mid-20s just compared to us right it's like how we grew up and we kind of had to come to our own and we had to unlearn a lot of things because 
we were in a society that didn't encourage this stuff at all. It was literally mm-hmm. never talked about at mm-hmm. all. Now it's everywhere and we still have work to be done, but now I just, I'm really happy for this generation because I feel like there's, they're seeing these people like Harry Styles. They're seeing Frank Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. And like, listen, I have two little nephews. They're four and seven. And all I want for them is to be able to be whoever they are without the constraints of having to be a boy, having to be a man and what that means for them. Um, And so like it just hits really close to home when I see things like Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue. I'm like, that's speaking to the generation that's in my life that is coming up right now seeing these types of images. And I want them to see these images as much as possible. And yeah, also, guys, sorry, I have to say, I think when guys wear nail polish, it's so attractive. Mm. Mm. I agree. Um, <laughs> Did you know? Oh my God, what? <laughs> no, like oh as a God. kid, as a kid, actually, this is, this could be a good example. As kids, my best friend Kaylin and I, <laughs> painted um Mm -hmm. we did this as like a mean prank though we weren't woke at six years old we painted painted her little brother's nails and but this just goes to show how society is taught like it's not cool because at the at the time when we painted his nails we painted them (laughs) her brother Mm -hmm. was so young so we were six he must have been (laughs) okay no maybe we're a little older he was like he was like four we, we, we were like nine. Okay. Sorry. That oh, was he important. Young. He was young, young. Anyway, we painted his nails. He loved it. He was so excited about it. He thought he looked so oh, good. I love that. And her and I were low-key like laughing at him because we were nine right. and didn't know any better. We 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 were a part of that toxic masculinity. Um but yeah, then when her when her mom came home, and once again, no blame to her mom because we're all learning, her mom's reaction mm-hmm. was like, Oh my god, they painted your nails. That's so girly. Like mm-hmm. you're you're not like a girl. I don't remember what she said verbatim. This was so many years ago, guys. Mm-hmm. But I remember her reaction was a little bit like, "Girls, why did you do that?" Like, you know. And he just started crying. That is so sad. That's the saddest story I've ever heard. Oh my god, he loved it. He thought he looked so good. He was so happy. Listen, I think this is. I think that's a great point to kind of sum up this whole thing, which is. Yeah, of course, representation is important. Like we talk about pretty much every episode. But what might be even more important is talk to the men in your life, to the male identifying people in your life, no matter how old they are, no matter if you feel like they're set in their ways or they're too young to have these conversations. Talk to them about emotions, being vulnerable, that it's okay to dress how they want, to talk how they want, to be interested in the hobbies that they want to be interested in. Like just start having these conversations in your home, in your friend group, at your school, at your workplace. Like I think that's where real change is going to happen is like conversations human to human. Um, And just tell your male identifying people that they are allowed to be whatever they want to be and you're going to love and support them no matter what because they probably need to hear that. You might think that they don't. Guaranteed, they probably need to hear that. They might have been told something different for their whole life. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. And that is the tea. Just look out for your peeps, guys. Support them. 
Love, love them. them. Hug love them. Love them. Love each other. Hug them. Kiss them. Kiss them. Do Press more their if cheek. you want to. As long as they consent to it. Princess, the In Case You Missed It this week is, um, I don't want to say exciting, but it's definitely something that you have a slight interest in. Only slight. Yeah, it's slight. Basically, guys, I think I'm going to become a lawyer. <laughs> so, I'm so down. Because there's someone who needs my help. And that someone is named Miss Brittany Jean Spears. So um, I mentioned this to Sarah that I think this would be a great in case you missed it. I obviously did want to mention that to, to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure Brittany identifies as straight. I don't actually think she's ever said, confirmed that, but I, I know for sure um, she is a queer icon. The gays love Brit. So I figured, you yeah. know what? We got to talk about her. We have to talk about her situation because- mm-hmm. Listen, guys, I'm not going to judge any of you, but if you guys don't really know about Free Britney, I feel like I need to ask, like, are you living under... Where have you been? Yeah, like, maybe maybe you're slightly, like, living in a pineapple under the sea. Maybe, because yeah. you might not know the situation, but I'm sure on all your feeds, you're seeing all this Free Britney stuff. And interestingly enough, what I did want to... This kind of comes in with, like, the toxic masculinity thing and how women are treated compared... Also compared to men... Um, but right. Bill yeah. Cosby was just uh, freed and mm-hmm. it just goes into the U.S. court system how messed up that is when, anyway, could go on forever. But he has traumatized many and many and many and many of women for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. He's a free man, yet Britney Spears suffered from mental health issues 13 years ago publicly and has been in a conservatorship and can't control her own life and can't get in her words drive in her boyfriend's car 39 and she 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 brought forward to the court all of the things that were happening that were full abuse and the court still ruled to keep her in the conservatorship yep on the same day i'm pretty sure it was the same day they ruled bill cosby innocent yep which is awful i don't think anyone is understanding exactly why this is the case um but then there's some stuff coming out later that actually britney called 911 the day before her statement literally to say that she is a victim of conservatorship abuse what i didn't know that how is this okay that she's locked up in this conservatorship so apparently um britney did call 911 to say you know i'm a victim of this conservatorship abuse this isn't right this is what's going on and basically like locked in. And some of her statements were very wild. And Iggy Azalea even came out later to speak out and say, she's not exaggerating. She's not lying. I worked with her back in 2015 and specifically remember from our, uh, what's that? Pretty Girls. Yeah, the song Pretty Girls, but the Billboard Awards where they performed. Um, Iggy said her dad, Jamie Spears, came up to Iggy, was like, you need to sign this NDA. Like Iggy literally watched that Britney was like only um, allowed to eat certain foods. She wasn't allowed to like have a certain amount of soda. I think it was like certain things could only be delivered to her room. And she would even say something like, can I, I want like a a soda. And they'd be like, no, it's like, I don't know. Just little things like that where there's just so much control. And 
I think Brittany gets an allowance or something. It's like $2,000 every two weeks or something. But obviously, like from what she's worth, which is like millions and millions of dollars, it's like just very shocking. Um, and someone yeah. says they remember going out to dinner with her in 2012. And then the bill came to $1,300. And she was like, Ooh. this is like not in my budget. Wow. Britney Spears says it's not in her budget. Like, that's a problem. Yeah. This girl has spent her whole life creating a whole business around herself. It's a whole business. And like, what, what's wild is that they made the conservatorship a business. It's like, this is what my issue is, right. is it should never have been a business model. The documentary Framing Britney Spears, which everyone should watch, it's available on Crave in Canada and Hulu in the States. The t- her team was calling her conservatorship a hybrid business model. To me, that screams red f- flag. Because if you're red talking flag. about someone who needs help, um, that's not what a conservatorship is used for. It's not to make them like your dancing monkey. They, mm-hmm. it's insane. And all her mom said is like, "I got mixed feelings about everything. I don't know what to think. It's a lot of pain, a lot of worry." <laughs> This is your uh, daughter. This is your, this is your daughter. To get into this, um, so Judge Brenda J. Penny denied Spears' request to remove her father as co-conservatorship of her finances. But then a day later, Bessemer Trust, the wealth management company appointed to help Brittany manage her money, actually asked to withdraw, citing changed circumstances and noting that um, it had been told uh, that they wanted to like, or they wanted to respect her wishes or something. So I'm kind of curious to look more into that because if her if this bank is also pulling away, I'm just wondering, does that give Jamie Spears full control now or do they like have to revisit it? I'm not sure. Anyone, I guess, with that amount of money, I understand when you need to like manage your finances. Like I think it's fair enough yeah. to have that like you should be having some sort of help. But at the end of the day, she doesn't want her father to be running this because it's like he's controlling her, her, the person and her finances. But anyway, um, there is an excellent article from The New Yorker, which breaks her whole situation down if anyone needs, like, what is this conservatorship? Why did she get in this in the first place? And what it all comes down to, because The New Yorker article is very long, literally starts from, like, her childhood to where she is now. It, it basically goes into, there was a woman who was probably going through postpartum depression during the time when she had two yep. kids at 25 years old, was living in the public eye, went through a lot of... Um, obviously hardships and was immediately deemed you're crazy you need serious help and you are going to be put into this conservatorship so we can save you and it just goes on to say it goes on to show like how society also treated mental health at the time which was in 2007 yeah yeah. no one was talking about it so it's um it's really sad so I guess all we can say is I think I think they're meeting again July 14th, maybe for another hearing. They want her to speak again because they want her to speak out for more conservatorships as well because there are other conservatorships that are fully, um, people are getting abused. I just think her case is so rare because she's like... Yeah, it's like such a complex issue. I feel like it's been going on for so long that there's all these years of like evidence and abuse and... I bet you she's just overwhelmed by it all. I bet like she's and she's articulating herself very well. But at the same time, she's still not getting what she needs or what she's asking for. So I think it's just like also overwhelming. It must be for her to be like, I don't know what else I can do to like convince the courts that I shouldn't be in this. Yeah. And she said it herself. I the last time I was here, um, I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel seen. 
you know, I wasn't, I wasn't happy because people are making her out to feel like she's not um, intelligent, right? It's like she was saying, you're saying I'm a high functioning conservative. Like, what does that even mean? High functioning, obviously. Yeah. I've been working for yeah. this entire time. I can clearly do these, do these things. I just, I think that's where like the law fails us because it doesn't make sense to us logically as humans, but then the law finds a way to make it make sense. That's why they can deny it and make it happen in the first place. Make it happen in the first place. I think it was, it was, it happened way too quickly. It shouldn't have been a situation like that at all. It should have been like, yeah, we need to get her some help, but she shouldn't have been like rehearsing for her circus tour weeks after coming out of a hospital. No, of course not. Of course not. So anyway, ridiculous. it's ridiculous. I'm all for free Britney. And you know what? Actually her manager, this was just released her longtime manager, Larry Rudolph, who she's been with for 25 years, basically resigned officially resigned what do you think that means so she wants to retire i think she's made it really clear she doesn't want to do music anymore she's done she's retiring so larry rudolph said it's been over two and a half years since Brittany and i last communicated at which she informed me she wanted to take an indefinite work hiatus earlier today i became aware that Brittany has been voicing her intention to officially retire um blah 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 uh, he goes on to say he has not been a part of the conservatorship I was originally hired to help manage and assist her career. I believe it's in Brittany's best interest for me to resign from her team as my professional services are no longer needed. Please accept nice. this letter as my formal resignation. We'll be proud of what we accomplished together over 25 years. Wish her all the happiness and health in the world. But great. That's great. That's good. No. That's good, right? It's a good sign. But I guess a lot of people yeah. are just still leading it up to like, great, I'm glad her manager resigned, but like she's still stuck in this like oh for sure yeah but it's good that like someone on her team is listening to her like they're not all snakes like someone is taking a stand to be like clearly you don't want to do this so i'm gonna let you be yes we'll just uh keep waiting on them updates and persis always has the update so maybe we can just like keep this conversation going it's just crazy it's a human rights it's a human rights issue man honestly this feels like one of those things that kids are gonna study I don't know, 20 years from now, kids are going to study this in school, like in your women's study class or something. Well, I wouldn't be surprised because it's like if someone during that time was such, you know, like pivotal pop star turned into like her life was taken away, her life was literally stripped away from her. So it's like if anyone watches the Black Mirror episode that Miley Cyrus was in where she plays Ashley too, oh my gosh. My first instant, and I didn't even know that much about the conservatorship to this extent. My first instinct when I watched that episode was like, why does this, this reminds me of Britney Spears. Mm, mm -hmm. And there's so many artists coming out now. Even Pink came out to say, I wish I reached out to her then. We were all yeah. so young. We grew up together. And she's like, I had no idea the amount of control she was in compared to someone mm. like Pink who had so much more control. Like it was very, right. it's just interesting to hear those perspectives too but yeah totally anyway well i hope that i hope that she gets what she needs soon i hope she can have a baby yeah that'd be nice have a baby get that iud get the iud out yeah she has one in her that she's against her will does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense yeah she's got to get that out she's got to pop out a few babes let her uh boyfriend drive her around in his car like she's just got to she's just got to but anyway to wrap this up I am available um I didn't go to law school but like I can do the <laughs> research and 
<laughs> I'm gonna take a stand. Imagine I Elle Woods this. Like, I was just gonna say, channel that Elle Woods energy. She didn't need to. She just like studied for a few months and then became like the best lawyer. She was valedictorian. Hello, one seventy nine. Oh my gosh, that would be very iconic. I would love if you were a lawyer. I have to say. Me too. I'd be like, the- I object. I object. Oh, I'd be very like conniving. I'd be like. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. You would be. So you're telling me that dot, dot, dot. That's how you would like speak in the courtroom. I'd be like, so you're telling me that you're controlling someone who has paid for your entire like livelihood since she was literally 16 years old. You have the control. You're telling me. (laughs) Honestly, it just seems like an easy court case to win. Like, but it's clearly not. No, it's not. It's because they don't have a lawyer like me. That's true. I think you should go in the case. Okay, I will. So guys, I'll have an update for you. I'm okay. gonna join, I'm gonna fly to LA and I have some things I gotta take care of. So you might not hear from me for a little bit. Yeah. I'll hold down the fort while you're gone, baby. Thank you. Purse purse, love you. Thank you for chatting with me about all the things. And thanks to both of us for allowing each other to take a break. Agreed, agreed. And Wilson, we have the power. We have the power. power. We have nothing but power. We really do.